Hello there, and welcome to Odessa First Assembly's weekly podcast, where we bring you the heart of our Sunday message. I'm Tony, your host and the face behind our digital ministry. We're excited to dive into today's sermon, exploring the Word of God together. So grab your coffee, find a comfy spot, and let's embark on this journey of faith. Without further ado, here's this week's sermon. was our first first Wednesday and uh, it was really exciting we had our family meal and um, we had our service in here uh, we had a guest with us uh, guest evangelist Phil McGeechee he brought I believe a very very timely word and uh, it was very just such a blessing and so with that said our next one our next first Wednesday is the first Wednesday in March and so we already have some invite cards and reminder cards. You can find this stuff on the information desk over in the hospitality area. And so it gives our date 6 p.m. for our first Wednesday. You can take it or you can use it to invite somebody. So, and on the back side, it gives it talks about the family dinner that we have. And so uh, we had it this week from 6 to 6.15 to 6.45. We're going to shift that next week from 6 to 6.45. We started service just a touch late. And also, as Tony mentioned, Easter's coming up. It's in, April, uh, it's in March this year. And so, yes, we have our three services. So we have an invite card for that and our block party card. And so you can invite somebody. And so with those two things said... If you've been around a while, you know how we do this. If you're new, um, from time to time, we do something called the five friend focus. And so what that is, is that is writing down five names of people that you're going to pray for and start some kind of uh, uh, conversation about Jesus and invite them to church. And going into the Easter season, it's a perfect time to do that. And so on the information desk is our five friend focus card. And uh, you know what? And you, you can write neighbors' names. I mean, just whoever you whoever you want to see come to the Lord. You may not know their name, and you can still write down that guy or whatever. You know, I mean, the Lord knows who it is, and you can pray for them. And uh, the backside gives more instruction on what it is and and what we mean by five friend focus. We take it from John chapter one. When, you know, Andrew was following John the Baptist is what the scripture tells us. And then he met Jesus. And so he went and found his brother and took him. He said, hey, I found the Messiah. And in verse John 1:42, it says he took him to Jesus. And so that's what the five friend focus is. That's what it's based off of. So it kind of gives you a little help. Um, with uh, witnessing and sharing your faith. So we want to get started. Um, we're, in, we're in part two of a series we've called Money Talks. And uh, I just want us to begin with prayer this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Malachi again. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 16. We're going to look at three kind of bigger passages and, uh, and then we'll dive, out, dive in. But let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. So grateful, Lord, of as we partake of communion this morning, just that reminder of your, your body that was broken for us and your blood that was shed for us. And not just there when you instituted in the Last Supper, you, you told the disciples, do this in remembrance of me 
and we are to practice it until your return. And Lord, we also, because of your sacrifice, we know that we are looking to the rapture of the church, that meeting in the air. Lord, we're looking to that future in heaven with you for eternity, and we're grateful. We're thankful, Lord. Thank you for your forgiveness. We pray today that you open our hearts and our ears to hear your word, and it would find good soil. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So just really quick, I know I kind of talked about this some last week, and it's, uh, there's going to be a, a, a touch of repeat, but I just want to remind you, you know, a lot of people have a, have a bad taste in their mouth, it seems like, when you talk about money and giving in the church. A lot of people hold the opinion that that's all the church talks about, which is not true. Matter of fact, I told you last week, including last week in 10 years, I have preached nine sermons on giving. And so I know exactly how many that I've preached. Remember, we talked about that there 11 of the 29 parables are about stewardship in some form, whether it be money or possessions or how we steward our lives and our material possessions. 11 out of, and matter of fact, a lot of people don't know this, but Jesus talked more about stewardship than he did heaven and hell combined. And so we know scripturally it's a very important topic because we know it doesn't matter what society that you're in, what culture that you're in, monetary means are important for every single culture. I mean, we find it across the world. I mean, in some areas, I mean, I'm not being facetious, but I mean, it may be trading the, the chickens and the goats. I mean, there, there's, it doesn't matter what culture there is, there is a, uh, there's a monetary means are happening. And so I believe as believers, we have been given scripture as a guidebook on how to have healthy finances, but also more than that, it being a matter of the heart and our surrender. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so, and I, I want you to process that for a moment because when it comes to tithing and giving, excuse me, just a second. <coughs> excuse me, it's a little croupy. Um, when it comes to uh, giving finances, it's really not about a dollar amount. That's not what it's about. It's an it's issue settled in the heart and our obedience to the Lord, which is very important. But I want us to read, or so are you with me? Are we all okay? You're all good? Y'all, are y'all awake? Okay. Malachi chapter three and verse eight. <clears throat> Will a man rob God? Thank you so much, Michael. Your dad told you to do that, didn't he? Will a man rob God? Question mark. I mean, God's asking the question. Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And your tithes and contributions. You're cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe in the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. 
You know, there's another passage of scripture that talks about a lot of people go through life and they feel like they're putting their money with bags with holes in it. Pause for effect, I guess. You're not intended to live life that way. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. I want to look at Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read two verses and a few verses in Matthew 6, Luke 16. Um, I'm reading this out of the New King James Version. And the reason I am is because I believe, uh, and I'll point it out in just a moment. It's really important, uh, the wording of how I think the New King James says this. But verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then it says, verse 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. You know, it's pretty amazing that it's, it's really rare that we go somewhere or you know, maybe meet new people or meet somebody and cannot pick up very quickly if they're believers or not. Usually, even before we say hello, we can say, and not only that, but that they, they're Pentecostal. I mean, that's so common. Why? Because there is a witness about you when the Spirit of God lives inside of you. And people see that light. That's what it's talking about here. Verse 24, here's the key. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one, love the other, or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And that's the word that I want to focus on. A lot of translations, uh, one of my favorites is the ESV. It's what I use a lot, the New Living. It says money right there. It's not that money is a bad interpretation of the word, but mammon really gives us a more clear picture of what Jesus was talking about. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. But I want to read Luke 16 and 9. Luke 16, 9 through 13. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by un righteous, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. There we see that word again, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, do you notice what it's calling Mammon there. But what's the word before it? We've seen twice now. Unrighteous mammon. Who will commit to your trust the true riches. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? You know, verse 12 is, uh, man, there's a, there's a, that's really rich. You know, you can never, you, I mean, you really can't expect to be blessed and successful if you do not honor those that you're working for. That's a, that's a pretty ch- tough truth. Verse 13, here we see it again. No servant can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one, 
love the other, or he'll be loyal to one, despise the other. We're seeing the same verse again. You cannot serve God and mammon. And the, the, the heart of it all is this, is that stewardship is the fruit of surrender. And that's really what we're talking about. It has so much more than do than a, a percentage and a dollar amount. The reality is when we are fully surrendered and committed to the Lord, we don't find this difficult. Remember what I said last week, the easiest thing in obedience should be in our giving. There's much more difficult aspects when, you know, following the Lord and, and being faithful to him. And I believe it was, it was such a powerful week last week to see eight people either recommit or come to salvation for the first time. I mean, that, that, was, that was a good place to celebrate. <laughs> come on, church. Mammon is the spirit, listen to me, mammon. So what, what is mammon? Mammon, this word we see in Matthew and Luke, mammon is the spirit that is on money. Mammon is the spirit that on money. Money is an animate object. It's neither good nor evil. But the spirit that can rest on money, the spirit that can rest on mammon, that, that's what we're talking about. And it really come, it comes from Aramaic and, um, and, and essentially it does mean riches, but where it comes from, if you remember way back in the Old Testament, um, something happened. Remember that, you know, Israel, um, and they went up and down in their faithfulness to the Lord. And so what happened? They, <clears throat> they went into captivity. Does anybody remember that? They went into captivity for 70 years. Where did they go in captivity to? To Babylon. And so when you look at that culture, Babylon and Assyria and Persia and all that, all that area, one of their main false gods that they worshiped was named Mammon. And so this is the roots of where we find this. And so when Jesus was saying, you can't serve God and mammon. See, it makes a little more sense if you put yourself in the, in the, in the seat of a first century believer or person, they knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. That he wasn't talking about just a dollar bill or a denarius or whatever it may, a gold coin. He was talking about a, a false God that people worshiped for riches that was on those means of, of buying and selling or whatever. Don't fall asleep on me. It's going to get better. And so even, even the Egyptians, they had false God. They, they, they had the false God of mammon. And so they knew exactly. And, and think about, you know, Babylon. I mean, Babylon, I mean, was really saw itself, um, you know, a, a, you know, a place founded on pride and arrogance and, and all of these things. So Mammon, the God of riches, was the number one God in Babylon. And I'm going to tell you that Mammon is still a demonic spirit that's at work today. If it were not so, we wouldn't see so many, so many corrupted by the dollar. Remember, we must understand scripture from the context it was written. So mammon causes an attitude that says man doesn't need God, he's self-sufficient. Mammon is, and think about this, mammon 
is looking for servants. I mean, remember in, in Matthew and in Luke, when we read that verse, he's saying, you're going to either serve God or you're going to serve mammon. Are you following me? I mean, this is powerful stuff. When you understand that the spirit that is on money is looking for your worship. I mean, I mean, really, I mean, when you think about it, can you process maybe people in your life or around you or look at our culture and say, yeah, there's a lot of people serving the almighty dollar. And it's not so much about the dollar, it's the spirit on the dollar. And I, you know, we, we are not a, uh, I'll call it a hyper prosperity church. There is so much of that that's so prevalent. And, and the reality is this, is I don't preach giving. I don't talk about giving. I don't talk about stewardship and faithfulness to get you to give. And I don't tell you to give to get. That, that's a false theology. The, re, the way we need to see it is, is that we simply get to give. That's what it comes down to. We get to worship in our giving. We believe in prosperity, and we know that God wants us to prosper, but it's so much more. It's not about giving $10 and getting $1,000 back. What it is, we're saying, yes, Lord, I am surrendered completely to you. And really, if you think about it, process this. I'm going to teach you something really quick. I would say maybe some of you have never heard this before. But when you look at the, in both the Greek and the Aramaic and the Hebrew, when you look at the root about prosper, do you know what it means? It means help going up a hill. That's the biblical definition of prosper. Do you ever need help going up a hill? You ever try to push a truck up a hill by yourself? <laughs> I mean, and that's exactly, God says that if we walk in obedience to him, when we get in those situations in life where it feels like that we're walking up both ways up a hill in the snow. That's the way my dad always talked about walking to school, right? Back in the, whenever it was the 1800s. And, uh, but when you find yourself in those situations when you're looking uphill and you're wishing, I wish somebody would just help me, and God says, I'm here to help you prosper. I'm here to help you in those situations and, and up that hill. The answer has never been about giving more money. The answer is always about our surrender and it's about people. This is what the spirit of mammon tries to tell us. You don't need God, trust the riches. In the biblical sense of the word, mammon, is the, it's a spirit that rests on money. In this last two weeks, and this is the, I'm not, we're moving on next week into a new series, but so the reality is, is that money talks. I'm, can that, if, I'm convinced that money that has been submitted to God, wealth that has been devoted to him, rather trying to replace him, we will see the prosperity of God in our life. The second thing is this, when we submit our money to God, when we submit our money to God, he breaks the spirit of mammon. 
And that's the important of that tithe. When we, what happens is, is we give back to the Lord what he requires from us. It's all his anyway, right? And so when we give back to him what it is, what that does, it says, I am surrendering everything to you and God brings redemption to your 90%. Now I'm gonna tell you something. You can, you can be a faithful giver, a giver and tither and you, I mean, you could give 20, 30%, but if you don't steward the rest of it well, this doesn't help you. I mean, you know, we don't give our 10% and all of a sudden God multiplies my, my, my bank account by 10. I gotta have wisdom as I walk with him submitted with the rest of the amount. I, had a, I was talking to a guy one time and we were in a small group meeting and he's talking about how that... Um, it was like, he just went through the season, man. He had, a, he had like brand new trucks and he had, you know, brand new cars and he bought a boat that had four wheelers, ATVs. And I mean, he was getting all this stuff and he was talking about just how much God had blessed him and, and, and all this stuff. And I, I mean, I'm just like, blah, I'm like, wow, you know? And so just a little bit later, we were small talking. I was like, so how did, how did God give you all this stuff? How did that happen? And uh, he said, he gave me good credit. I, I'm not even, I'm not even being facetious. That's what he, t- I was like, um, I don't think that's the Lord. <laughs> you said, you remember the commercial, the guy, you know, riding the lawnmower and everything. And he's like, looks like he's just like, you know, just overwhelmed. He got the big eyeballs and he's like, I got the house, I got the car and you know, and all that stuff. And he goes, how do I do it? Credit cards, you know, that, that's not, that's not being a steward over what God has given us. Submitting our money to God, it breaks the spirit of mammon. And so that's what we do, right? We give our 10%. Luke chapter 11, verse 42, it says, and this is what I, I didn't go all the way there. I talked a little bit about this last week. But a lot of people say, well, tithing's not in the New Testament. Well, actually it is. And it's more than be a cheerful giver. It's more than don't give out a compulsion. And when you look at Luke chapter 11, verse 42, I mean, Jesus is talking about, I mean, he's speaking to the Pharisees something, but what Jesus, see, what the cross does, when you look at the things in the New Testament, when we look at things, the cross either nullifies something, changes something, or leaves it alone. Whenever you look at it, you can really look at that, that way, three simple things. Either God changes it, he leaves it alone, or he deletes it. So, just for an example, because of the cross, what's been deleted out of the Old Testament is that we don't have to bring bulls and goats and doves and sacrifice anymore, right? Why? Because why? Jesus became the supreme sacrifice. So, what does he change? Well, what, well, I mean, what does he live alone? Uh, you know, one, I mean, really, I mean, it, you say he kind of transforms a little bit, but I mean, when it comes to the Ten Commandments, I mean, we're still expected to have a holy life, right? And to walk right before the Lord. And, you know, he combines, you know, the, the Ten Commandments into really two, but it's meaning the same thing. So what are some things that he shifts and he transforms? Well, you know, he really makes things harder, right? In the Old Testament, right? And it's not that murder is still not wrong. Murder is still wrong. But in the Old Testament, right, he said, do not murder, in the New Testament, do you remember what he says? He says, don't even get angry. 
If you get angry in your heart now, it's just like committing murder in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, he said, right, no adultery. In the New Testament, he said, don't even lust. Now, I don't know about you, but I'll just give you a little bit of clarity in my life. I find it very, 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 I could not add enough varies, easy to not commit adultery. But now lust, don't look at me like I'm, a, you know, got three eyeballs. The Old Testament divorce was really open. The New Testament, it really, he really narrows down reasons. And listen, I, I, I want to add this. L listen, you know, the wonderful thing about the blood of Jesus is that he, it covers everything. And maybe you're here but, and you've had failed marriages and there's been issues and things. And, and I'm going to tell you, God can redeem anything and he can restore the Old Testament, right? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? And the New Testament, what does it tell us? Go the extra mile. Turn the cheek. So let, in thinking about these things, let's look at Luke chapter 11, verse 42. It says, but woe to you, Pharisees. Listen, for you tithe. So what were the Pharisees doing? And this is found where? In Luke. Luke is in the what? Okay. For you tithe, mint and rue and every herb, and neglect the justice and love of God. I mean, that's true. That's exactly what they were doing. But look what he says. These you ought to have done. What is these? The tithing. He didn't, he didn't say stop tithing. Have you ever seen this before? He didn't say stop tithing. He says you should be tithing and you should have uh, justice and you should have the love of God. I mean, that's, in essence, that's what he's saying in Luke 40, 11, 42. And so we see that it's still in place. Matthew 5, 17, do not think I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish, right? But he came to fulfill them. I want to read the new living in 1142. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from the herb of your gardens, but you ignore the just and love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Are there more important things than tithing? Yes, there is. The New Testament, remember the New Testament standard in giving is giving all. It's giving everything. It's not about a percentage. It's not about a dollar amount. It's us saying, Lord, here is all of me. Number three is this. Money wants to take the place of God in your life. And whether how long you've been saved or, or maybe you're just coming to faith, whatever it may be, because of that spirit, did you know demonic spirits want to be worshiped? And so mammon wants to be worshiped and served. But, I mean, Scripture gives us the antidote. 
Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. That doesn't mean that you don't need to be wise. That doesn't mean that you don't need to, you know, have physical responsibility. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't educate yourself. That, you know, but I'm going to tell you when you, and and we're leading somewhere as we get close to ending here, and I think it's going to really open up some eyes, but you give as an investment into heaven. Do you remember when they were requiring the tithe and Nehemiah and all those scriptures went through last week, what was something that it did? It put food, substance, and, and bread in the house. And so it's because of that giving, the ministry that could take place. Who has God called in the ministry? God has called all of us. It's not about me behind this glass little pulpit. We're all in this together. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroy or thieves break in and steal. I'm still having to pray for those guys in San Antonio. Some of you know the story. We had our van broken into. I'm like, just blow up that laptop in their living room right now, Lord. (laughs) For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he's saying, so what is he saying? Don't store up treasures here because then where's your heart gonna be? But if you lay up your treasures in heaven, where is your heart gonna be? Oh, I just got goosebumps with that one. That was free. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters, right? You cannot serve God or the spirit that is on money. Money wants to be your master. That's why, if you know this, I mean, the, the power of debt in our culture is absolutely amazing. I mean, greed drives people to lie, cheat, steal, be manipulative. To, to uh, uh, I mean, it leads to divorces and, the, and, and damaged kids uh, emotionally. He wants your devotion, that spirit of money. You cannot serve God in money. Money will promise you everything that God promises you. I mean, think about it. Money promises security, significance, identity, power, freedom. If you have the right credit cards, if you have the right clothes, if you have the right car, if you live in the right neighborhood, if you know the right people, you'll be happy and fulfilled. Mammon tells you that if you had more, people would listen to you. People would, your relationship problems would would go away. And I'm gonna tell you, the country song that says that money doesn't make you happy, but the boat and the car and everything else does is also a lie. Some of you know that song, don't you? Yeah. When you think about it, money is nothing more than a system of this fallen world that really stands in opposition to God. Number four is this. Money is not evil. The spirit of mammon on money is evil. I mean, so many people misquote this verse. It's 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money. I mean, people say money's the root of all evil. It doesn't say that. What does it say? For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of that money. 
I mean, and, and let's do a little contrast and comparison. Jesus says what? If you love me, you'll what? Do you remember? You'll keep my commandments. Mammon says the same thing. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Luke 6, 9. I, I, want, I want you to see this really quick. I'm going to read out the New Living. 16, 9. Use your worldly resources to, be, to benefit others and make friends. That is such a rich sentence. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. So does that mean that you've got to have an enormous... Matter of fact, I'll, I'll say it this way. Years ago, there's a guy on TV, a TV preacher, and I used to have, I had a lot of respect for him. And one day, matter of fact, uh, when I first got saved, um, because of when I went to work on Sundays, I would, I, I would teach Sunday school for our junior high kids, and then I would stay in service as long as I could, but I had to, I had to go to work. And on breaks at work, I'd watch this guy, you know, and kind of get some of my church in, you know. And, uh, and I'll never forget that when I, when I stopped watching him, he was preaching, man. He was pre I mean, it was a great sermon, and he was preaching hard. And, and then he made this statement. I'll never forget it. If you ask me in person, I'll tell you. I'm not going to say it publicly. But he said this. If you drive a broken down beater car, then don't tell anybody about Jesus. He says, if you live broke, paycheck to paycheck, hand to mouth, don't tell anybody about Jesus. I was like, whoa. Uh, chapter and verse. But and this is not saying that you have to use, have a lot of money to tell people about Jesus. Watch this. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then... When your possessions are gone, when, when is, when are your, if, if, whether it be the rapture of the church or we go by the grave, you're not taking it with you. It's not going with you. It's like I said last week, you've never seen a funeral procession with a U-Haul behind it. When your possessions are gone, look, they, who's the they? They that you used your investment for people to know about Jesus, they will welcome you to an eternal home. What does that mean? That means because of your stewardship and faithfulness to the Lord, people are going to make heaven. Why would we have an issue to hear about this in our churches? They will welcome you to a heavenly, eternal home if you are faithful in little things. You'll be faithful over large ones. But if you're dishonest over the little ones, you're not going to be honest with greater. If you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? Man, this is a powerful scripture, isn't it? People will welcome you into heaven when you invest your resources in the kingdom. When you invest your resources in the kingdom. The best treasures, the best treasures are people. Did you know there's going to be something better than heaven? Did you know that? One day I'm going to preach a sermon on this. Something better than heaven. You're like, what in the world could be better than heaven? Taking somebody with you. 
populating heaven. That's what makes, I mean, heaven's not about the mansions and the gold streets and the pearly gates and the, I mean, what it's going to be about, it's going to be about Jesus and all of those that we brought with us. If I use my money to bring people to Christ, they will welcome me into heaven when it's my time in eternity. And so we use our money as a resource to help people hear the gospel. Hell is being plundered by our offerings, and Satan knows it. And he hates spirit-led giving. He hates um, us being faithful. He hates us being stewards. So what's the best thing for us to do to be faithful and to be stewards? God is looking for people that he can trust. Can God trust you with his money? Can God trust you with his resources? Obedience to the spirit of God is the best worship to offer God. Now, have I seen in my life, I thank God bringing blessing because I was faithful to the Lord? Absolutely. And I think every one of us in here, but see, that's, that's the correct definition of prosper, is it not, right? What does prosper mean? To help us up the hill. I mean, one of the things that we talk about, I, I want to take just a second and talk about this. So when we were missionaries, um, uh, we, you know, there was a seasons where financially things were extremely difficult for us. And we even hit this period of time where, um, I mean, we we're headed towards Christmas. We knew that we couldn't buy the kids any Christmas presents. We knew that was going to be an impossibility. I mean, we were just trying to make bills. Um, we were running out of, I mean, all the necessities. We didn't have the money to buy toilet paper. We didn't have the money to buy paper towels. We didn't have the money to buy sugar or laundry detergent. And we're at the end of all of this stuff. And we're like, we don't know what we're going to do. But I'll tell you, and this is not a small part of the testimony, we never cheated God. No matter how little that we had. And it was hard, you know, because what well, very little offering was coming in, and I was like, I've got to give this? Okay, Lord, we're going to trust you. I mean, I'm short on my mortgage. I'm short paying my electricity. I, we have all these needs, but Lord, this is yours. And we were faithful, whether we were blessed or in need. And one day, and I, something else that happened, you guys know I'm an outdoorsman, I love to hunt, man, I, I'm, I'm an avid hunter. And um, uh, I had gone hunting, and um, anyway, I, I don't, somebody uh, that, that hunts on our property had ran over some barber and like drug it out, and I'm walking through a field at night, you know, in the dark, early in the morning. Anyway, uh, and I, I tripped on this barbed wire and, and I'm holding my gun and already had it chambered. And um, I'm like, this could end. I mean, it's like everything was slow motion. You ever been in those moments? You know, it's like I'm falling on the ground hard, but it was like, it was like everything was slow motion. And so I try, I just, I kind of threw, because I didn't want it to land somehow and get shot. And I was like, you know, it'd be like two days for somebody found me half eating my coat. So I didn't want that to happen. So I, I, I throw my gun out. Well, when I did that, it damaged my gun. And this gun was special to me. It was, uh, 
it was really something I had since I had been a, uh, nine years old. And my dad had given it to me. And it is very, you know, special. And it bent the, the barrel and it, it ruined it. And um, it was the only gun I had at the time. And so hopefully all social media doesn't... Anyway, because uh, I'm talking about weapons. But, uh, so this pastor calls us. He says, hey, we're going to be in town. We want to connect with you guys. I'm like, yeah. I was like, let's do it, you know. And so we meet them for lunch, have lunch. And, and uh, I mean, they were kind of bold. They were like, hey, can we go by the house and have a visit? We're like, yeah, okay, come by the house, you know. And so they come into our house and living room and we're kind of chit-chatting a little bit. And um, he's like, hey, we got something. We got some things for you guys. Y'all just stay right here. And so they bring in some packages. And uh, so I'll open, mine. mine's kind of long. And I, this is no joke. You got to get, this is God, right? And so I'll open uh, my, pre- they want us to open them right in front of them. And so I'll open my present first. And this pastor gave me his hunting rifle from where he was a child that was the same exact gun that I had. Think about that. He's like, and he tells me, he's like, and I didn't know how he didn't know this. He's like, I don't even know if you're into this. I don't know if you hunt. The Lord told me to give this to you. Then they give Angela her present. I didn't know this, but it was kind of like the whole Keurig craze. And um, uh, she gets her present and she wanted a Keurig for Christmas. I didn't know that. And uh, obviously that wasn't going to happen either. And so she opens up her present. You know what it was? It was a Keurig. I mean, and we're sitting there just flabbergasted. I mean, I mean, we're like, I mean, literally we're in, it's, why do we get in shock when God does it, right? And so we're in shock. And then they bring in the presents for the kids. And some of the exact things the kids wanted for Christmas, but it didn't stop there. He's like, hey, so we had this moment and I, mean, I don't know if we were, we were crying or not, but I, you know, it was just a, a special moment. He's like, hey, come to the car. And so we go out to the car and he opens the back of his Suburban and he's like, hey, he's like, we need to unload this stuff. And, and from, from the back, the third seat was gone, from the back seat all the way back, all the way to the roof of the Suburban, you know what it was? It was toilet paper. It was paper towels. And I'm not talking great value, I'm talking about Charmin. Because God always does it better. Come on. I mean, food and soup and everything that we needed. And I'm here to tell you today, if you'll be a steward, if you'll be faithful, God will make you prosper when you need to prosper. And there's going to be moments and seasons in your life where the prospering is more than what you need to prosper. And scripture teaches us, don't eat your seed. When you look at the Abraham covenant, it is clear. God blesses you to bless others. To bless others. That's the greatest investment that you can make. And God has raised some of you up to be kings in the kingdoms. He's raised you up to fund the kingdom. You're like, I don't, I don't know if I agree. What are you talking about? Because of this, because of God has blessed you. God can use you to bring more to Jesus.
to bring more bread in the house, more ministry to the house, more missionaries worldwide. And that's the godly way to use what God has blessed you with. Would you stand with me this morning? Thanks for joining us on this week's podcast. Be sure to tune in next time for more inspirational messages. Connect with us on social media at Odessa First AG. And if you'd like to support our ministry, visit odessafirstassembly.com forward slash giving. Until next time, stay blessed.